You're listening to the Mastering College to Career podcast, the show for first-generation and minority college students. Each episode will feature topics such as highlights and progress from students who have completed the MC2C mentoring program, networking opportunities, and unique insights and strategies from industry thought leaders. So, if you're looking for your guide to success, you're in the right place. Now, without further ado, let's get into the show. All right, welcome, welcome, welcome to this episode of the Mastering College 2 Career Podcast. I am excited today because we're going to be talking about recruitment. We're going to talk about how the um, minority recruitment, we're going to talk about college recruitment and campus recruitment. And to talk about this important topic, I have Heather Ionelli with me today. Heather, did I even get it right? You got it right. Good job. I know it's hard sometimes, so you nailed it. Yes, I'm going to keep track of this. I think my pronunciation um, stat is probably like at a 70% get it wrong. So this is helping me. This Well, it's a win. (laughs) It's a win. This one's a win. Heather, how are you doing today? I'm good. Happy Tuesday. The sun is shining. I'm in Florida where there's not 50 inches of snow, so can't complain. (laughs) But it is 50 degrees, which for Florida weather, we need to bring in our ski goggles. Oh, you're right. In the winter coats. (laughs) Yep. So Heather, what did you always wanted to go into recruitment? Like, did you grow up and people said, Hey, Heather, what do you want to be when you grow up? And you're like, Hey, I want to be a recruiter. No, when I grew up, I wanted to be a pop star, which unfortunately did not happen. Um, I feel like recruiting is one of those things you kind of just fall into. No one goes to school to want to be in recruiting. They might go for HR, but I don't think recruiting was ever top of mind. So um, I'm definitely one of those people who fell into it by, by just luck, to be honest. How did you fall into it then? <laughs> yeah. So um, when I was in college, I was I changed my major eight times. I was a little bit of a mess. Um, I was accounting, psychology, business, communications, advertising, and I, I wanted to wear a lot of different hats and none of them were something that I saw myself doing for the rest of my life. So um, I was talking to a recruiter friend of mine who had recruited me when I was on the Disney college program. I'm like, hey, maybe I should try events. And he gave me some real talk and was like, Heather, um, I think you should try recruiting. You love networking and resumes and you're a little job hoppy, but you can help people find their careers. So um, I I took it to heart. I did a recruitment marketing internship to blend my experiences and then fell in love with it. You know, it's funny because I've I've have seen a a, a note. I've noticed that recruiters don't all come from different backgrounds and there isn't like Oh, I've always wanted to be a recruiter kind of thing. You kind of fall into it. And I think that's really interesting too, because we assume that when we're applying for jobs that we need to be this perfect candidate on paper. But if we think about it, if recruiters are not the perfect candidate on paper, why, why can they judge us if we're not the perfect candidate? So, um, but what, in, in your experience, so you, you focus a lot on early career recruitment, like what are what can students do to help stand out, especially when they're applying for some major companies, some Fortune 500 companies, in which you get hundreds, if not thousands, of applications? Yeah, I think it's important to showcase your passion outside of what you're going to school for, right? So, uh, using computer science as an example, everyone's going to know the same type of coding programming languages, they're, they're going to be in similar types of organizations. But to me, the way to stand out isn't the companies you have on your resume, but it's what you're doing while you're at school, whether it's a fantastic project experience, you're in the unicycle club, something to show me that you're human outside of class. Um, I think you learn so much in school, but when you get in the real world, I want to see how you can apply not just the, the technical skills, but everything else. And I think that's with not just like the computer science, which is what I primarily do, but everything there's so many ways to 
differentiate yourself, which I think can get lost sometimes. So, I mean, it is sometimes it's said that recruiters look at resumes for seven to 10 seconds. Have you found that to be true in your experience, maybe from you personally or your coworkers? Yeah, I, I feel like I look a little bit longer than seven to 10 seconds myself. Um, I, I'm a fast reader and I want to make sure that I get a holistic view, but it's definitely less than 20 seconds. Um, if I like to have things bolded on the resume just so that I know exactly what somebody's proud of. So I think when you are looking really quickly and it is common practice because we go mm -hmm. through so many, it's important to highlight what you want somebody to know because we're not going to read every single bullet point until we're actually getting to that conversation. What advice do you have? Because like if I have a resume and I shared it with 10 different recruiters, I'll get 10 different feedbacks, right? And so that's like the tricky part as a student is like, my resume is never perfect. I'm always getting feedback on how I can make a difference. So like last week, someone could have told me don't bold it because it'd be distracting. But in your opinion is bold it. And again, this is all very opinion based. Uh, there's I guess there's not a 100, like this is the standard for the resume. There's a little bit of guidelines, but that can change. But what, I mean, what advice do you have for students to hear 10 different pieces of advice on resumes? Yeah, my rule of thumb is if you're getting very small pieces of feedback, then you're doing a great job, right? If you get 80% of feedback that's gonna be similar across the board, then you know you're doing something right because you're never gonna hear the same exact thing. It's like if I asked my mom if she liked what I was wearing one day, she might say yes, my grandma might say no. Um, everyone has different perspectives, but I think as long as you get that 80% core across the line, then you know you're doing a good job. Yeah, that's a really good point too. And, and I think for me, the advice that I like to give in this scenario is like when students go, Daniel, can, can you review my resume? I go like, sure, I can, but does it matter what I think, right? Like, am I your target audience? Am I the recruiter right. for that role? And so I think it's more importantly, if you're looking to go get a job at Disney per se, right, then maybe you should build, build network, start networking with people that work at that company and maybe look at what their resume was and with the resume that helped them, what was the right format and things like that. Because at the end of the day, either like if, if the students don't want to work for a company that you're working for, your feedback is valuable to a point, but the most valuable feedback is the, the recruiters or the hiring managers and the people who make the ultimate decision. And so um, I think it's understanding too. Like, I think you're right. Like it's, most people, if, if, if you're not getting major feedback, like like major feedback, then you are on the right track. Um, and then when you're getting down to the, the minute details, it's just finding the people who is your target audience, who, who can actually help you in that scenario. I mean, what do you think is your the biggest mistake applicants make in 2021? Ooh, the biggest mistake. Or 2020, uh, you know, we're still early yeah, here. Yeah, it's still early. I think sometimes... They, they send the same application to different companies, right? So kind of to the point you were just saying, yeah. right? If I was at Disney, the, the expectations would be a little bit different than being in the technology industry. And I think really catering it to the jobs you're applying to, we can tell when it's just a cut and paste resume um, versus when you put the attention to detail, you call it an experience that's relevant. I love, I, I love when I see something that's related to the company culture or they clearly did their research. It's so competitive nowadays. So doing anything you can to put in that extra 10 minutes for the attention to detail is something that I feel like not everybody does. Yeah. Um, let's talk about referrals, right? Um, I'm sure you probably get hundreds, if not thousands of messages from students asking you for referrals, right? Um, are all referrals created equal? 
No, that they are definitely not. Um, I get, I, I would say like I get a hundred LinkedIn messages a week, right? And some of them are asking for referrals. And to be honest, um, if I see a great resume, it's not that I won't send a note to a hiring manager, but if I've connected with someone, if I've networked with someone, I'm going to advocate for them because I know them. If I have a stranger on the internet reaching out to me, then that way is not going to hold anything. You might get an extra view, you might not. But if you're going out of your way to build relationships, that referral definitely holds more weight than just sending mass emails on LinkedIn to, to hope it sticks. So I have a theory and I'm just going to share my theory. And if I'm completely wrong in your opinion, please tell me. This is what this is the fun part about this because we can actually have a healthy debate. So I have a theory that all referrals are not created equal and that um, the longer you build a relationship, the stronger the referral is. Also, who the, the referral is coming from, right? If, um, if you can get if you can build a relationship with the hiring manager and the hiring manager can go to the recruiter and say, Hey, Heather, um, I came across Daniel's profile. I've been talking to him. I'm really interested. Can you make him, can you put him through the process and get him to the interview? That obviously weighs a lot more than if um, an analyst that works in the other side of the country sends you their, uh, their referral link and says, yeah, just go ahead and put my name in the application because they want to get the referral bonus that some employees get. Right. So it's a, it's a whole different thing. The second thing that um, my second thing to this theory is that I think visibility is more important than ability when it comes to getting your first job. And the reason why I say that is because there's so many talented people that all they do is they've, they've just submitted their application online. Maybe they don't customize it. They don't build relationships. So they're just submitting their, their application online. But on the other hand, there could be somebody who's less talented, maybe doesn't have the 4.0 GPA, uh, maybe is only had one internship versus four internships. But because they were able to build the relationships, get the visibility, they were able to get their resume more than 20 seconds uh, worth of um, view or, or time. Yeah, so uh, to first point, <laughs> I don't think it's a debate. I think you're right. So uh, a lot of people forget that hiring managers hold a lot of weight, right? I think they there's this misconception that recruiters are the ones who are making this, the decision, which typically isn't true. I can pass a resume to a hiring manager and they could say no, right? But if a hiring manager gets that resume, they could be like, oh my gosh, I definitely want to talk to this person. Or if they made that connection, that's a really great way to to kind of stand out because you're with the person who's making that decision. So um, definitely agree to that point. It's not much of a debate, but um, in general, I feel like uh, referrals are so interesting. And I think that relationship building is such an important part of whether it's internship or first job out of colleges now. Um, it's really about who you know. And that's not to say that if you, if you have that visibility and you've never done anything that you're gonna get the job because that's also not true. But it's really, people wanna work with who they know. People. I think are very big on relationships and getting to know different people. And, and I think that that can really offset a lack of experience, which is a good thing because I don't think opportunity is necessarily even created equally either. So there's lots of ways to, to get your foot in the door. And I think that's a really cool part, but it can also be intimidating. Hey, you made it to the middle of the episode. Let's take a break to tune in to how one of the mentees used insight from Daniel and the Master in Costa Career Academy to help them take steps towards their dream job or internship. Hey guys, David here, and I just got the internship of my dreams, and I wouldn't have been able to do it if it wasn't for the help of Daniel and the Master in College to Career Academy. Before the program, I had been looking for an internship for about two years, and I didn't get anywhere. I sent out more than 100 applications, got called back for five interviews, all of which led nowhere. Then I met Daniel who introduced me to his program and my progress skyrocketed. Uh, Daniel had, has been a recruiter. He's been out there, he knows what works. 
Um, he knows what recruiters like. And with those tips that he gave to me, I was able to do way better and immediately start putting you know, his teachings into practice and getting called back for interviews and offers. Um, it was wild. I'd never imagined that it would be as successful as it was. Um, if there's anyone out there that was like me when I was looking for internships and not getting anywhere, I highly, highly, highly recommend, I can't recommend it enough, that you become a part of this program. Uh, Daniel, you know, Daniel offers a, a money back guarantee. If you don't like the program or if you can't get a job, which is insane, you know, like <laughs> it gives you no reason not to do it. If your life will be better and you'll end up getting making more money because of it anyway, right? So, you know, what are you waiting for? Give it a shot. It'll make your life better, I promise. Uh, thanks again to Daniel and the, the awesome program that he made. I owe my life and my future to him. This student's testimony is just one of thousands who have landed a position in their dream career. So if you're interested in joining the Academy alongside these successful mentees, schedule a strategy call with Daniel today at www.masteringcollegetogareer.com forward slash strategy call. And now let's get back to the episode. What advice do you have for students that are from uh, low income, maybe minority that don't come from, that don't have the resources, but aspire to work for a major company, maybe a tech company or a fortune 50 company? Yeah, so um, I identify as a first generation low income student, so I can kind of talk to that. Growing up, I didn't really have role models who um, who I, I could learn from. So when I got to college, I definitely had a lot of culture shock. I knew nothing about working at these big companies. I mean, growing up, I lived in a town with a cornfield, like I lived in a cornfield. So it was like be a doctor, work at the grocery store. And then I had this realization that there was so much more opportunity. So um, if you're in college, I think connecting with your career services, but not just solely relying on them. LinkedIn is such a fantastic tool to get to know people, get to know different industries, and then finding ways to differentiate yourself. You don't have to have 12 internships to get a great job. You can have great project experience, find leadership roles on campus, doing those types of things to network and learn what you want to do. Because as you get throughout your college career, having a little bit of focus towards the end can be really beneficial to find your niche and what you want to do. But um, I think in general, sometimes it's hard when you don't know what you want to do. So finding people who can guide you and it's okay to do something and not like it. I did a bunch of different internships throughout college. I think it was seven. And I can tell you, I don't know that I enjoyed very many of them, but it was a really great opportunity to learn what I didn't want to do. Right. Um, one thing I want to tell what do you think is the biggest disadvantage that um, first generation students or minority students or low income students have compared to traditional students? I think sometimes there's a lack of resources and you don't even know that you're lacking those same resources. I see it all the time where you get throughout your college career and then at your junior senior year, it's like, oh no, like I, I didn't know that I was missing these resources. So then you feel behind and I feel like there's not enough emphasis early on in college for those types of students to find out what they're missing so that they can even try to find it because I feel like they're some of the most determined and motivated people, but they don't know what they're missing until they realize they're missing it. Yeah, I, I think that that's so true. And I think the second one is just lack of network, right? They don't have their dad or uncle or, or, you know, or someone that's already at a company that can get their resume the right visibility or, or they don't join the fraternity that their dad is or the sorority that their mom was. Um, and because of that, they don't build the relationships um, right. that provides, right? And so I think um, there are, my advice to, to those students is, 
understand that there are resources in most universities that are, are tailored to help you. One, number two, it's get involved in student organizations early on because a lot of the student organizations, like if you're joining a, a business fraternity, I think, uh, I, I say business fraternity, but there really is a professional fraternity for pretty much every major, right? And if you join that as a freshman, there's, you're going to be uh, building relationships with juniors and seniors that are in the same major that currently have internships. And a lot of times I've seen as I, I've been part of a business organization or a professional fraternity and also been the district director for, this, for those for two years. I've seen internships that have gone passed down in the organization for like five years. Like this is a very common in Lockheed Martin in, in, in the University of Central Florida where an intern is, is holding a position, whether it's in finance or engineering, or it, it doesn't really matter, right? And they're graduating, and then they'll get a full-time job offer. And because uh, Lockheed Martin has a program with the University of Central Florida called CWeb, um, they need continue to have interns. So the, uh, the manager of the department tells the interns, like, hey, do you have a good friend that can backfill this role, right? And then it's a cycle all over again. Um, and so I think that those relationships uh, will help you dramatically. And the sooner you can get to internships, the better you're going to be. Even if in the beginning you're doing internships with companies or jobs that you're doing either for free or not. I think that's the second biggest uh, disadvantage, like disadvantage that uh, low-income students, minority students, uh, first-generation students have is I'm going and asking, doing your first internship and being free. Like I remember going and telling my mom my first internship and that I was working for free and my mom just called me an idiot. She goes <laughs> like, you're an idiot. You're getting taken advantage by a white guy. Like it was like, mom, like I, I, I need to do this so I can get my next internship to be paid. And um, she was mad. Like she didn't understand it. She couldn't comprehend that I would go work 40 hours a week for free while my friends that I went to high school with were working as servers and were making a hundred, $200 a night. And so she's like, that's, that's a lot of money. Right. Um, and so that's the second thing is like, find a way to do a free internship. Maybe it's not 40 hours. Maybe it's 10 hours a week, maybe it's 15 hours a week and find a way to still do it. And then the second thing is try to avoid as many student loans as possible and go after scholarships. But what do you think, Heather, is there anything else that you would like to add on this? No, I, I definitely agree. My first two internships were free and I would never have gotten to where I am without that experience. And I think it's really hard when you know you need the income. So, I mean, I was involved on campus. I was interning. I was working. And I think that's just such a disadvantage sometimes with especially low income students because you you need that income and you, you're exhausted and you're supposed to enjoy college. And there are times where you really have to prioritize. So um, I just wish there was more understanding from those who don't necessarily identify with that to to be a little kinder to those who do because it, it's tough so yeah no what 1000 heather i mean is there any particular advice that you would like to share that we maybe we haven't dove into yet no i think my biggest advice is don't be afraid to network with people who are who are your peers or maybe a year or two older and um, something i didn't think about was was how those relationships can be very helpful right because if if you're in a, a certain situation you don't know how to handle it Sometimes you can go to someone who was there 10 years ago, but talking to someone who's been through it recently is super helpful, especially when you aren't sure how to navigate it in college or in your first career. Mm -hmm. Finding those peers and people who can be advocates for you at your same level is really helpful. I, of course, recommend talking to people who have experience and are more senior in decision makers, but also relying on those around you to, 
to be kind of your go-to advocates before you get to that level has really helped me just stay level and know when I'm just overreacting because you don't want to go to someone who's been in the workforce for 15 years looking like you don't know what you're doing, right? So having those those friends and allies next to you are, is something that I'm super thankful for. Amazing. Well, um, Heather, you are amazing. Your content on LinkedIn is amazing. And so I want to just give uh, the audience a little background on, who, on Heather. Heather is a recruitment professional. She has experience in recruitment with Disney and IBM. Um, and she has some amazing, amazing content on LinkedIn. So I will definitely put um, her LinkedIn um, in this in the show notes so that you can go and follow her and connect with her um, and definitely learn a lot about her. Another cool fact about her is that she has a mini Aussie um, and I have a mini a Aussie. Baby. <laughs> and so <laughs> got to give the shout out to the doggies. I don't know where mine is. Um, he ran away. But Heather, you are amazing. Keep rocking it. Um, thank you so much. You're always welcome here. If you ever want to come, just let me know. Um, thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks everybody for listening and catch you guys on the next episode. You've been listening to the Mastering College to Career podcast. We hope that you enjoyed the show. In an age of short attention spans, this speaks volumes about you. To ensure you never miss an episode, please subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you use Apple Podcasts, we'd love for you to give us a quick rating for the show. Just tap the number of stars that you think that the podcast deserves. Until next time, catch you guys on the next episode.